friends, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut across the chat. Um, it's so so wonderful to welcome you to the second one um, of these sessions. It was a real delight to see loads of you here. Last time it was lovely to have some new faces amongst us. Um, if you missed it, um, I think it was a really encouraging time had by all, and you can catch up on the website um, for our as iron sharpens iron session. But tonight we're thinking about the big question of leading a one to one and how we might um, potentially think about going about doing that <coughs> ourselves. So, to start us off, I've asked Rachel if she's willing to pray for us. Um, it's worth me also saying, we are recording it just because a few ladies um, couldn't join us tonight and asked for recordings. Um, we'll cut out the like awkward chat when you're turning to your neighbours, there's not just like that bubbling around. But if you do like say something, um, that, that will be included. So, do that what you wish. Um, but Rachel, could you pray for us please? Dear Lord, we thank you so much that um, when we become your children, we are adopted into your family. And thank you for what a wonderful encouragement it is to have um, your church and to be the women in this room tonight um, around us, um, praying for us and helping us um, read the word and um, grow to know and love you better. And Lord, we pray that you'd um, yeah, just encourage us tonight as we think about this topic of reading the Bible one-to-one. -one. We pray for Kirsty as she kind of leads us through all these passages. Um, Pray that you'd give her um, real wisdom and insight in speaking, and we pray for the rest of us that um, you would use us to sharpen each other even tonight, and that we would go forward from tonight um, better equipped and able to encourage each other through reading the Bible one to one with each other. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a bit ill, so I'm just going to try not to pollute you. Um, so it's super encouraging um, to have you all here tonight. I don't know. Um, necessarily everyone's motivations in joining us. Um, I think some have led one-to-ones for years, so this is a bit of a refresher course. Um, some have been led in a one-to-one -one and might be thinking, oh, could I do that? Could I really do that? I'm not really sure. And some are probably thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I'd never do that in a thousand years. I kind of just like the dessert bit and I'm just here. <laughs> That's fine. That is totally fine. But I hope that by the end of, our, end of this, all of us will feel that we actually can um, lead a one-to-one -one. and I say that because if we're Christians and we have God's word and we have someone else we have everything that we need to lead a one-to-one -one. because we have God's spirit inside us and we have God's word in our hands and that is enough and that is such a precious thing and I want us just to hold on to that and rejoice in that together so at its very simplest um, a one-to-one -one is two people meeting together to read God's word. Um, but I think it's really helpful to just drill a bit further into what we mean by that. Now, a one-to-one -one can be evangelistic, and we'll talk about that a little bit, um, but it can also be hugely useful in discipleship, which is a bit more the focus of these seminars. So we kind of do what I say is true for both, um, but just if you're wondering, the kind of waiting, I guess, is more towards um, discipleship within our own church family. And Sophie DeWitt has written a book on this, um, full confession, I've never read it in my life, but Jodie has, <laughs> and recommends it, and I skimmed the titles and they were great, and mum skimmed it and she was like, this is good, so there we go. Um, but she does give us this really helpful um, definition of what a one-to-one -one is. So a one-to-one -one is one Christian taking the initiative with another individual to help them to know Christ better and to obey him more fully. Three, firstly, um, studying the scriptures, prayer, both with them and for them, and then sharing life together. And I love this last bit, and leaving the rest to God. Uh, leaving the rest to God. 
It's an incredibly helpful summary because it shows that reading one to one is no less than a Bible study with one other person, but it's also so much more than that. It's a commitment to pray with them. It's a commitment to pray for them, to share life with them, to build community with them, to be excited at seeing God at work in their life and to share your own life and the way that God is working in you with them. It is a wonderful, wonderful blessing um, to do a one-to-one and to be read with one-to-one. But you might be thinking, um, is there any biblical warrant for reading one-to-one? So I'm going to ask that to you guys. Just turn to the person sat next to you. Can you think of any examples in the Bible of where we see this kind of one-to-one relationship playing out? I'm just going to give you two minutes. Um, Have a think. Go for it. Intrigued to hear everyone's thoughts. Um, Let's just shout them out if you're willing. I love that. What evangelistic one-to-one? He's sat there in the like first-century equivalent of the Lamborghini, and he's like, "Tell me about Jesus." Great. Any other thoughts? Jesus, lots of times, talks about discussions with people. Amazing. Yeah. Were you thinking of any in particular, Lizzie? Um. Well, I've been to disciples in particular, but super helpful. So Jesus keeps going back to the scriptures and particularly the Old Testament and unpack some of the people. Um, the Emmaus Road would be a really good example of that. Jesus explains how all of the scriptures point towards him, um, which is an incredible thing. Um, other thoughts? About meeting together and encouraging one another. Yeah, thank you, Emily. I had that bubbling around here as well. All of those New Testament letters, where there's just big kind of one another commands. Um, if you track through the New Testament, there are so many one another commands. Um, that's something that Sophie DeWitt does really, really helpfully. But just for example, we looked at some of these last time. Colossians 3, um, 16, teach and admonish one another with the word of Christ. Um, Ephesians 4, 29, build one another up by what you say. Ephesians 6, verse 8, pray for one another. Um, you go on and on. So there's a real expectation that there'll be a one another in, um, in lots of different forms. Um, one more thought. Why don't we have one more thought? Anyone else got something? Paul and Timothy. Oh, Paul and Timothy, really helpful. Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos. I'm guessing is where we're going with that one. Um, yeah, so Priscilla and Aquila see Apollos, he's a teacher, and they take him aside and they help correct him with the scriptures because there's a little bit that he's not quite got right. And then he goes off and carries on teaching other people, which is really exciting. So you can see it's a bit of a training one-to-one there. Um, again, with Paul and Timothy, it's a training one-to-one. So there's lots and lots of examples of this kind of relationship happening across um, the Bible, particularly across the New Testament. Um, but you would be right to say that there isn't a direct command that says, you know, you must be part of a one-to-one. But it is a wonderfully useful thing. It's a wonderfully useful thing in the local church. And even in my own personal reflection um, over the last week, I've just been really enjoying some of those benefits um, from both um, yeah, being read with and actually reading Um, with others. And here are just a few of the benefits that I've um, thought of. Um, One is that I think leading one-to-ones and being a part of one-to-one teaches you to have gospel-centred conversations and gospel-centred relationships. It makes it normal to talk about Jesus and it makes it normal to draw those connections between Jesus and everyday life. And that is always a precious thing. As we read one-to-one, we will also get to know our Bibles better 
who doesn't want to get to know their Bible better? And actually, as we do that, we get to know our God better, and we get to know his promises and his whole plan of salvation better, which is a wonderfully precious thing. One-to-ones also, I firmly believe, have an incredible impact on the local church. So as the relationships between just two people strengthen and deepen, that ripples out to bless and to equip and to strengthen the local church. That's the whole Ephesians 4 of the body building itself up together. It's an incredible thing. And finally, it offers a really unique setting for personal application, um, personal prayer, um, just personal um, carrying of one, another, one another's burdens that might not be so easy in a life group of, say, 12 people where you don't really know people very well. It is actually just a really safe and comfortable space to wrestle through some of the hardest things and some of the deepest joys together. Um, so I hope that we're convinced um, that one-to-ones are a wonderful thing, but now we want to think a little bit more about, actually, what, it, what is the point of a one-to-one? What is its big purpose um, when maybe I'm going to start reading with someone or I'm even just thinking about it? And so I've given us some Bible passages um, below. We looked at a couple of these last time, but they're so wonderful. I just want them to be in our head and our hearts. And I've got two big questions I'd love you to think about. Firstly, how do they um, summarise the aim or the ambition or the goal that you might have in leading a one-to-one? And then what is Paul's consequent method in achieving that aim and why? So have um, maybe just under 10 minutes. Um, to go through that and we'll share reflections. Gather us back there. Um, let's share some thoughts. Um, <coughs> what are Paul's aims? Um, share a thought, potentially point us to the passage, just so we're all on the same page. That'd be really helpful. <coughs> Philippians passage to make um, people pure and blameless on the last day. Mm. And have the fruit of righteousness and to approve what is excellent. He said that that was to be convinced that going God's ways is that way. Seems helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be found more and more. Found more It's quite a name. That first one um, had in it some safeguard against false teaching. Mm. Colossians one also had um, presenting everyone mature in Christ. Any other thoughts? In Colossians it also had encouraged and knit together in love. Mm. There's that beautiful kind of massive huge perspective like you were saying which is of like mature on the final day which is really helpful when you think about doing one to one that actually your time frame isn't that term or that year actually you're you're talking about a lifetime and so actually your aim is probably for something that you may never see personally until you're in glory which is an incredible thing because you want them to be beside you in glory um but there's also really wonderful fruit in the here and now knit together a valley and love for Christ and others. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible aim to pray for when leading one to ones. I feel really convicted that I need to start praying that more for my ones. 
um, that I, I long for them to be pure and blameless on that final day. Um, what are some of Paul's methods in pursuing that incredible aim? And what, why is that his method? I think that's a really interesting question. Yes, just the language of prayer is really notable in the yeah, the Philippians verse. So it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So, yeah, so much of these um, verses are yeah, Paul's just praying first before he like talks about his own actions. Yeah, thank you. And um, we spoke a bit of it in the Thessalonians passage. This kind of gentleness and nurturing this and caringness for the people that he's with, but also that it's not with words of flattery, so like it's not just trying to make them feel good, it's actually trying to make them notice it better. Mm. <coughs> yeah, Lucy and I were chatting about that in the Solomon's passage, it comes right after what Anne Lizzie's mentioned about sharing not only the gospel of God but also our own selves dear to us. So it's not just a preach the gospel by <laughs> very much um, sharing life in a deep, meaningful way. <coughs> That's really helpful. And we see Paul model that in his letters, don't we, that he doesn't just share life when he's with them. When he's away from them, he says, pray for me. Pray for me in this way. There's a real openness to, I need your prayers just like you need mine, um, which is precious. We also spent time with Colossians, the claiming Christ and and he talk, uses the language of toiling and struggling with his energy. So very much a, a reliance on Christ in it all, in it all points of faith. Yeah, thank you so much, Neve. And that's the big thing, isn't it? When we keep reading these passages, it really would be impossible to miss that it's all about Jesus. It's Jesus that we're going to present them mature and blameless before. It's Jesus that we want them to be mature in. It's Jesus that we're going to proclaim. Um, and it's it's in our prayers to God that we're saying, God, please keep your people. Please grow your people. If we're reading with an unbeliever, we're saying, God, please save this person. Um, it's all of him, isn't it? And that is actually such a freeing thing when you're reading one-to-one. Because it's not about, do I have all the answers? Or... Have I had a really holy week? Or do I feel super confident this morning that I can, you know, lead this one to one and bash it out and do everything else I need to do today? Actually, it's God doing his work in his people. And that is a really precious thing. And it's a really freeing thing. Um, but it's also a really good warning, I think, um, like these guys were saying down here, that actually it's not us we proclaim. As the point of one-to-one is not so that people love us or follow us or want to be our best pal. Um, and it, it's just useful to always guard against that, that it's not our job to be directional and tell people what to do with their lives. Actually, we want to be clear with the Bible's clear. And then we want to ask questions and we want to pray and we might say, hey, I've got some human advice. But we always want to be pointing people towards Jesus because he is their shepherd, he is their king, he is their saviour. And he is the one who will keep them safe for eternity. Um, and that's a really wonderful thing to just always, always be anchored in. And so we've seen these staggering ambitions, and it is a beautiful thing because actually, as we read the Bible with someone else, longing that I presented mature and blameless, the Lord will also be working in our heart 
through that one-to-one -one that we might be presented in Mature and Blameless. It is a two-way street and we will grow and we will be sanctified and we will be challenged um, in similar and in different ways. And that is a wonderful thing. We want to be open to that um, in our one-to-ones. But just drilling down a level. So we've got, we've got kind of the big aim, but how do we start to get started? And this is where that human advice that I just said to you, this is human advice, okay? It's, I hope... Um, wisdom that has been gained from lots of other godly people based on biblical principles um, but you'll start to see what I mean um, very soon. There's no rhyme or rule to how to do a one-to-one but you'll be asking that question, who? Who could I read the Bible with? Well, to be honest, any woman on the planet you could read the Bible with. It'd be an incredible thing. You could, you might have a work colleague or someone at the gym that you're thinking of even now where you're like, I'd love them to consider Jesus. You should just rock up to them tomorrow and say, hey, you know I'm a Christian. Have you ever thought about reading the primary source for yourself? You could just grab a coffee and read it once. Just lower the bar, really, really low. The offer's on the table, they can say no, they can say yes. You're not saying the word Bible study, which is weird, like, could be great. Or you might think, actually, um, I would love to do it with um, a student or a youth or a fellow mum. Or you might just have no idea please do come and chat. Um, I may well know of lots of people who would love to be read with that you've never met or don't really know at church. I would love to facilitate that. That's not because we're um, a police state, that's because we want to serve you guys. And it really helps us to be able to pray for you and partner with you and support you in that. Um, we want to be equipping you so that you can go and equip others to equip others. We're always wanting to see disciple-making disciples. Um, and if this all feels very new, the best way to practice is with a mate. Just pick a friend and just be like, why don't we read Ruth together? Five sessions. We just need five weeks and we could just read the book of Ruth or you could read Genesis. I don't know where you want to start. You can start anywhere you like. Um, it's a wonderfully encouraging thing. Where, I mean, this is getting really nitty-gritty, guys. Um, state the obvious. Do a one-to-one -one somewhere that's conducive to reading the Bible and praying. Um, it's amazing how quickly you can slip up on that. So, if it's a coffee shop, it needs to not be so quiet that everyone in the shop can hear your company. I did try that with someone in this room, and the person at the end of the table went, if you speak louder, I can hear the study too. And we were like, ooh. <laughs> uh, or it might be so busy that you actually can't hear the person opposite you, so you're kind of like yelling at them, like, Revelation 23! That's not even in the Bible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, don't do that. Um, homes can be really great. Zoom can be awesome if, you know, Travelling is difficult, or actually if you've got a member of the church family who's away for a season, or a child who's on the other side of the world, got lots of time on their hands, doesn't know what to do, just be like, why don't we read the Bible over breakfast once a week? It can be a deeply exciting and precious thing. And when? Well, this is why I love one-to-ones. They are so flexible. I'm just going to throw out some ideas just to make you think, oh, I could do that, I could do that. If you want to read with an Christian mate, what about a working lunch? You can just say, we'll have a lunch break, we'll read the Bible together, it'll be an hour max. Or you might say, I'm going to read with my mum. When's their quiet time? It's when the kids are napping. So you'd be like, nap time, every week I'm going to be there. Or you might say, I'm going to do it between lectures, or um, it's going to be my reward on a Friday evening at 5pm. Find a time that works for both of you. Top tip, put it in the diary. Don't let it be the thing that like, oh, I don't know, let's change it every week. Fix it in the diary, decisions made, you don't have to think on Sunday night, what am I doing? Um, it's really helpful. And one of the reasons I think I love one-to-ones is they're not like a I guess a Bible study where they're like a forever thing, where it just kind of goes on for the rest of your life and you're like, ooh. 
but actually it can be really short. You could just say, let's read Colossians together, just six, eight studies. Or you could say, let's read for the term. Or you say, let's read for the year. And it's okay if that goes on longer. But it's also okay if it's just a really short season and you're like, I'd just love to read this book with someone. Let's grab someone, let's do that together. Hey, actually, we love it. We could then go and read with someone else. And it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And actually, by the end, you end up with a church where people are reading left, right and centre. That is an incredible thing. It is something I dream of. Um, and it is amazing. But what do you read with people? Um, this is where I want to pull some collective wisdom from the room. Um, genuinely, there are lots of different options here, but there is kind of experience in this room. I know there is wisdom in this room. So if um, you wanted to read with an option mate or a neighbour, um, anyone got any recommendations on what book of the Bible they would go to? There are 66 to choose from. So, um, any recommendations or experience that people said this has been really useful? Colossians is really Why Colossians, Emily? Because I'm really good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> love that! So I'm going to study out. love that. Other suggestions? Well, a gospel. Why a gospel, Heidi? Especially if they are not believers, because it puts you right where Jesus was, which is always helpful. <laughs> I think that's really helpful. Um, I love using gospel because you're essentially saying, look at Jesus. Is this a man you could love? Um, you just want to be presenting with Jesus. And so if you're thinking, oh, well, how do I do that? Um, Mark is the shortest gospel, so therefore it's quite a good pick. Um, I know lots of you guys will be doing uncovers. Those are really useful to read with a friend. They do miss out a lot of sections. Or you could just open it up and say, hey, let's highlight everything that's amazing. Let's put a little question mark here after everything that we don't understand. And let's underline everything that's about Jesus. You'll be amazed how easy that starts conversation. And what you're doing there is you're saying, my friend, I want you to meet Jesus. And you pray. It's an incredible thing. So, <coughs> Colossians, Gospels for reading, maybe with non-Christians. What about if um, we've got friends who maybe have just become Christians <coughs> or are quite young Christians, maybe um, any recommendations what we might read with them? I think Ruth is a really good one um, mm. because, it's, I mean, it's not very long, but also it's it like has so many kind of clear... It's good for someone who's maybe intimidated by the Old Testament um, because it's like, you know, a small story within the larger context of the Old Testament and just shows like how much God like has mm -hmm. been intentional with his story from the from, from very, very far before Jesus. Um, well, before Jesus' incarnation. Um, yeah, so I think that was mm -hmm. good. Yeah, it's a cracking gateway to the Old Testament, Ruth. Right? Mm -hmm. It really is. Other thoughts? How do you think you again? <laughs> well, Paul's letters, obviously, mm. quite nice and short, very encouraging, usually deal with kind of issues that mm. new Christians are facing. We did once do Romans. Which was quite brave. On a Thursday, like Rufus, they were like, Well, what's interesting about Romans is that um, you can take it on so many different levels. So as a new Christian, you're going to read it in a different way to yeah. the way that you would read it as a more um, mature Christian. So actually, well, we, we think we got away with it. <laughs> but I love that, because actually that also shows that you can come back to books. And 
Um, it's a wonderful thing to say, actually, there's a book I really love, or actually a book I know quite well. Read that with someone. That's a great thing. Because actually, it's not a bad thing that you've got a bit of experience with it. It's just saying, I really enjoyed it. I want to share this joy with someone else. We don't need to just think, I'm going to go for the super scary book because that's going to make me feel really pro. I, I, don't do it. You just end up sitting in a puddle being like, it's too hard, I can't do it. Um, but we will come on to some of the resources that there are. There's lots more um, facts of wisdom I know around the room of people who've read with different people. Um, if you're going to do a training Bible study, maybe you're trying to train new Sunday school leaders, or you're thinking, oh, I'm going to hand over my CEO role to someone else, or um, you want to equip them to do something, you might say, actually, we're just going to do a short one, and we'll alternate who's going to do it. So I could do one, and you could do one. And so you might pick a, a like, you know, a six-part series, and that will be dictated by your book. So there's lots and lots of different options. Um, it's worth always praying about it, thinking about who you're reading with, thinking about what you know, what's feasible for you. Pray about it a little bit more, and then pick one and entrust it to the Lord. <coughs> um, it's a really good thing. So on the back of your um, sheet, I've given you a little box um, with just some kind of big top tips, principles, I think it's just really helpful to always keep in mind. So I've just said that one, haven't I? Pray. Pray as you prepare, and um, pray when you're in the study, and pray with the person that you're reading with, because it's God doing his work in your heart and in theirs, and we want to see God grow both of us more and more like the Lord Jesus. Um, prepare. There is no... Um, you don't have to prepare. Like, there will be some days where you just walk in and you're like, I have no idea we're going to do this together. But also it can be a really fruitful thing to prepare. Often it's in our preparation that we grow the most. Um, it's often what might give us a little bit of confidence. Um, maybe that's just reading passage over lots. It's actually a really great thing sometimes when you're reading someone saying, actually, let's both prepare, we'll come, and then we'll chat about it. Um, that can be a really good training thing for both of you just to do that. So that will look different depending on our time, depending on our schedule. That's totally fine. Um, there's lots of ready-made resources which we're going to recommend that are brilliant and useful. Use them. Um, but prep is always a useful thing, even if that's just listening to it as you eat breakfast, thinking, okay, what are some of the big questions that I'm going to ask? What are some of the things that I want to anticipate might come up? Um, that's really useful. Be open, we've already said this. Um, share your life as well as theirs. It is a relationship. You're feeding God's word together. It will challenge you and it will challenge them. It will challenge you guys in different ways. You're growing together as sisters in Christ. You want to enjoy him together. You want to speak to him together. Um, there is obviously wisdom in that, depending on kind of age gap and who you're reading with and what that looks like. But there is always authenticity in that. And that is a beautiful thing. And just be really non-apologetic about the fact that it's all about Jesus. The aim isn't that we all come out kind of high-minded theologians who could exegete the passage to the 18,000th degree. The aim is that we come out loving Jesus. So it's always a great question. How does this help me love Jesus? How does this help me marvel at God? How does this help me praise my Saviour? There might be loads in it that we don't understand. A mass in it that we find really scary and we think, okay, we're going to go away and track that down or read a commentary or ask Paul or something, whatever. Um, that's totally fine. But bring it back to Jesus because it is him that the scriptures are all about. So we've looked at some of the kind of really big principles um, of one-to-ones. We've looked at some of the practicalities of what a one-to-one -one might look like. And I've mentioned that there are lots of different resources um, that we can use. 
And in the second part, um, there's a couple of things that I would love to do. One is just to talk through a couple of the resources that we can use and to give you an example of how if you just wanted to go solo, um, everyone in this room, I wholeheartedly believe, could do that. And we'll just talk through um, this crib sheet that I've given you on the back. And then we're going to hear from, um, we're going to have a little go at it, and then we're going to hear from Emily and Elise about their own experience of one-to-one. So you don't just think, that's Cassie's jobs, she can do it, but no one else can. Actually, um, there's lots of people in this room who have been blessed by them, um, and we'll hear by them from them at the end. But, um, some resources that are really helpful. Um, Emily talks about Colossians, has a great study. Mining the Bible is a resource I use a lot. Um, they're online. Um, they were actually written by an ex-staff member, hilarious. Um, there's a whole series of them. There's ones on Ecclesiastes, which Lizzie and I sometimes use on our life group studies when we need a bit of help. Um, Colossians ones, 1 Thessalonians ones, they're really useful. You can both have them while you can have them. Um, Uncover the CEUs. These are really interesting. These are about to come out on app form. These are called Word One-to-One. -one. We had a seminar a couple of years ago on Zoom, back in the Zoom days, about these. These essentially do everything for you and I mean literally everything like they give you the passage and they explain the passage and the idea is that you read both sides with your friend <coughs> both the like passage and all the explanation and then you chat about that I've never used them but they are considered brilliant by Paul um, and others have used them particularly in like workplace settings of being like let's eat lunch let's read this it feels a bit weird because I wouldn't ask you to like analyse, you know, the line which the wardrobe, so why would I ask you to analyse this book? Like, we're going to read it, read the explanation, chat about it. So, give it a go. Really good to do also with a non-Christian. Um, and there are lots and lots of other um, resources out there that you can use. I'm sure you can share ideas with friends. Um, I know lots of people in the church family use different ones. If you find good ones, share them with people. It's really, really useful. Um, there are lots and lots of <coughs> wise um, and helpful people where other people have done the work for us. That is great. But I also wanted to give Erica confidence that actually, um, if you would like to, you could write your own study. And even if um, you start by writing your own studies, because having a few questions is really helpful, you might get to a point where you're like, actually, I can just walk in with a kind of big idea of what's happening in the passage. And that actually just helps shape the conversation. Um, and so that's why I've given you the crib sheet on your second page. For those of you who came to our Speak God's Voice stuff, um, this will be really, really familiar, um, but hopefully that is a good thing. Um, and basically, the principle is what, why, apply. So there's no such thing as a perfect Bible study, um, but these are really useful for helping just get into what is the Bible actually trying to say? What is Ruth 1 actually trying to tell me? What is Mark 13 actually going on about? What, why, apply? So what? Got a wee highlights picture because that's what I do. I just sit in on highlights. You just want to say, what is this text actually telling me? Looking really closely at the detail, looking at repeated words, ideas, themes, seeing is there any Old Testament references? Is there anything where I look at it and I go, I have no idea what that is? Or maybe I kind of know what that is, but if the person opposite me doesn't, I have no idea how to explain that in one sentence. Go away, think about how am I going to explain what a Pharisee is in one sentence to someone who's never heard of a Pharisee, whatever it might be. Just look at what is the text actually saying, what's actually happening here, and why not come up with a little what sentence, a summary of just the action and the events of what's happening. Then you can have that fun game of why. 
Why is it saying what it's saying? Why is this little piece of text here? Why is this passage in the Bible? And that, is, I love this question. It's really exciting. But it's often easier to think, what would be missing if this wasn't here? So you might need to look at the context, the little passage before and the little passage after. So you might want to think, is it building an argument if it's Paul's letters? You might want to see, actually, is this showing me a new thing about who Jesus is or what he's like? Um, and then you might want to come up with a why sentence. Um, why is he trying to communicate? Uh, yeah, what he is here. And it's always helpful to remember, isn't it, that from Genesis to Revelation, God is revealing one salvation plan. So every single one of those 66 books is contributing a little bit to that unfolding plan of salvation and rescue. And so we always want to be asking, how does this little part play out in the bigger picture? And that might sound like a really scary question. Actually, it's a really exciting question. It means we're going to spend our life going, yes, and that, and that, and that, and it all feeds together. That is a joy. That is the adventure of spending our life getting to know our saviour. That is a beautiful thing. <coughs> and then and only then would I suggest that we apply. Um, and that is a bit of a two-stage process. You've probably heard us say before, the Bible is written for us, but it's not written to us. So we'll be thinking, what does it mean to them then? What does it mean to the Romans that they got sent Romans? And then we're going to say, okay, well, where is our context similar and where is it different? So for, um, say, the Psalms written to God's people in the Old Testament, you might be thinking, okay, well, what's different? Well, actually, we're this side of Jesus. So we know way more of the salvation story. So that's going to change slightly how we're going to look back and read the Psalms. And through that, we're going to figure out what are the big lines of application. And that's really, really helpful for helping us understand the text and helping us understand what God's saying in his word to us. I know that looks like a lot of questions, but actually I think if you did it, you'd be like, oh no, this is really exciting. And even you could grab that friend that you think, okay, I can never do this, and do it together. You could just sit here with this page of questions and a Bible question in front of you and just go through it. And it is genuinely a lot of fun, and we grow and we learn in it, and I'm still learning in it, and there are passionate verses, and I'm like, I just don't have a clue. And we can use commentaries, and we can use study Bibles, and that will really, really help. But I want you all to look up Mark 4, we're going to look at three verses, and I'm going to give you just two minutes on your own, just to look at that text, and just think through a few of those questions. And I'm not going to ask you to read back, so don't worry, you're just going to have to do it in your head with your new questions. So Mark 4, 26-29, I'm just going to ask Lizzie if she's happy to read that from the tiny Bibles. Um... <coughs> And he said, the kingdom of God is as if is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Amazing. So they've spent two minutes having to think through some of those questions. Um, I'm 
So, um, I mean, feel free to go home and keep working on it. A few reflections when I did the same challenge. Um, it's a wonderful little parable, isn't it? These three verses. And he says, and you think, who's the he? So you look up and we see that it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. That's really helpful. So Jesus is telling us this story. And it's a story, isn't it, of a farmer. And so he goes out and he scatters the seed and he goes to bed. And he wakes up and he goes to bed and he wakes up. And then over time, the seed grows. And eventually, it all becomes ripe. And then he puts the sickle to it and he harvests it. Is Jesus just interested in farming? I mean, it's good advice. If you're a farmer, plant the seed, let it grow. Um, we're going to guess Jesus is saying more than that. And so... One of the things I looked at was thought, well, what's this seed? So if you look at the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus tells another parable, um, potentially one of the most famous ones of the seed on the four soils. And there he explains that the seed is his word. And so we start to see some of these connections to be made. And if we read the whole of chapter 4, which is a wonderful chapter, um, it's, it's a really encouraging read. And I know um, our lovely Firsties have been doing it, so you can chat to them about it on Sunday. Um, the kingdom of God grows when people listen to Jesus' words. That is the big concept of chapter 4 in Mark. And so that's a really helpful context for us. Because then we're thinking, okay, well, how does this parable fit into that big picture? And what's it contributing? Well, the first parable, we see that there are four soils, of which three of them are bad soil. You're thinking... That's not a very good return rate. Like, I'm not really sure about that. And so the disciples listening to Jesus could have been saying, well, we're going to tell all of these people about Jesus. We're going to scatter your word. And three out of four soils aren't very good. You might start to think, oh, is Jesus' strategy really right? It's really going to work, particularly if you look at the chapter before and you've already seen the Pharisees are getting a bit twitchy and becoming pretty anti-Jesus. And if you look ahead, you know it's only going to get worse. They might be thinking, well, this strategy is not right. Is God really going to grow his kingdom? And in these series of parables, we get incredible comfort. <laughs> and we just looked at one of them. So, if that was the what and the why, we're thinking, well, so it's saying scatter the word, and there's a great promise that it will grow, and that there will be a harvest that will be taken. That is, that is an incredible promise. But how does that apply to the farmers when they know that big, uh, to the disciples when they know that big tree? That when the word is scattered, that it will grow and the kingdom of God will grow as people listen to Jesus and there will be a harvest. Well, surely the principle is to think like a farmer. So if we look down, there'll be two details there, isn't there? Firstly, the farmer does not know how they grow. He's a farmer, he's not a botanist, he's not a biologist, he doesn't understand the like exact why or wherefore of how the seed like germinates and then does its thing and then grows like a stem and then leaves and then ears because it's corn. Like, he doesn't get that. He just knows he plants the seed and he sleeps and he wakes up and he sleeps and he wakes up and eventually it will grow into a harvest. That is true, isn't it, with the word of God? We don't know the mechanics of why when we sit with... Um, a friend in front of us, as we read God's word together, how that exactly works to do a deep spiritual work in them to keep them secure for eternity. We don't know why, I've got no idea exactly the mechanics of how when I 
look at this passage with you now and speak about it, God somehow does a deep spiritual work in you through that. But I trust Jesus that it does. I trust that that will bear fruit. I trust that there will be a harvest. And it's probably helpful to note here that this is Jesus talking to a group. So he's not saying every single person we sit in front of and tell the word to will definitely be a harvest. He's saying when we collectively scatter the seed, there will collectively be a harvest. And so that's a really useful caveat that we wouldn't, we'd have to like look in and work that out for ourselves. So firstly, we're going to think like farmer because we don't know how it grows, but we're going to trust Jesus. Secondly, we're going to think like farmer because we don't make the seed grow. Did you see that? There's that very tiny detail that the soil makes it grow. So the farmer doesn't go and like talk to it or like whisper to it and be like, come on mate, like grow a bit faster, like need, need you sooner. Like he doesn't, you know, dig it up and be like, oh, how are we doing? Oh, should I give you some like, it's not down to him. It's going to grow and it's going to grow in its own time. And do you notice that? It's not overnight that it grows, it takes time. And I find that really helpful. We scatter the seed, we spread the word, we open the word with people. But it's God who brings the growth. It's God who brings the maturity. It's God who sanctifies us, and it's God who sanctifies them. And that is an incredibly comforting thing. That is where our confidence is. It's that God says, my kingdom will grow when my word goes out, and people trust in me, and people rely on me. And I think that is such wonderful comfort for us when we're thinking about this topic of leading ones once, whether that is with an unbeliever or with a believer that actually God will grow his kingdom. That is such a spectacular thing. It takes all the burden off me of being like, how well can I do this? How did I, did I get that study right? Did I get it wrong? We trust that God's spirit is at work every time his word is opened by faithful people. That is an incredible thing. And so it's a deeply, deeply comforting, comforting passage and one that is really helpful for us to hold on to as we think about this together. I'm going to ask um, Emily and Elise to come and join me. You've heard enough from me for quite a wee while. Um, and I've just asked them to share um, slightly separately. So Elise was just going to share um, her first experiences of ever having to meet anyone, which I think was probably doing her really everywhere. Um, and what she thought about that beforehand, and then what has encouraged her in the midst of that. And then Emily's going to share some reflections of what it's been like leading one's ones. Um, in your time, which is very exciting. <laughs> so, Kirsty asked me a couple of questions. Um, and the first one was what were my initial feelings about the idea of leading on one's one? Um, I think part of me was really excited to get the opportunity to do that, which is partly why. I signed up for Relay, and a big part of that is one-to-one um, -one ministry, um, but also felt a, a big responsibility in being able to communicate God's word in a way that is faithful um, as we're, you know, reading the Bible together. Um, so there was part of me that felt really nervous about it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been a huge joy um, being able to do that and learning from my relay supervisor, from other Christians around me, um, youth leaders growing up and people who invested in me as a young Christian, I guess we we take these experiences and um, yeah, it's just a joy to be able to do that with students 
um, now and what motivates me now to do one-to-ones. Um, it's a real privilege to be able to read God's word with other people. It's encouraging for both of us as we're getting to grips with God's word. It, it helps grow um, our confidence as we're reading. Um, I guess the particular strength of being able to read with an individual, you get to apply it to their particular circumstances and deal with their particular questions, which isn't always possible in a bigger group, like Kirsty was saying earlier. And um, it's a real joy to be able to do that and to get to know somebody in a, in a personal way as well while we're doing that a spring break. Um, and also just really challenging for me, it's been a huge encouragement um, in my own faith and um, yeah it's it's such a central and integral part to our lives as Christians um, and it is just so important to be able to do that in a variety of contexts but doing one-to-one ministry is a really wonderful way of being able to dig into God's word um, as church family together and all your questions, Kirsty. Do you have anything else you'd like to ask? Emily. Well, I thought I'd start by saying how I was first read with. Um, So I became a Christian when I was about 28. And um, it was through a really good old school friend, a sort of family friend of ours. Um, And uh, she invited me to her church and I became a Christian. And and then she said, oh, do you want to read the Bible with me? And I just thought, it's really weird, <laughs> and was um, I, I? I remember thinking, I really do not want to do that, um, because she was such a good friend. It was really nice to meet up and have breakfast with her, and um, and all we did is we chatted a lot, um, and she opened up Colossians with me, and all we did was just read, I don't know, a few verses, and then she said, "What do you think about that?" And it was really, really relaxed, and. Um, you know, nothing very fancy or formulaic or anything, but it was really helpful for me at that time just to be pointed to the Bible as the authority and that that's where we learn about God and that's how we grow as a Christian and um, that it's very simple. You just read it and God uses it. And that, that's kind of my, my memory of, um, I guess, yeah doing a one-to-one very very simply and that it's not a scary thing and and it's God that does the work um so that was that was great and then I guess I grew as a Christian and then I was asked to lead um it's not quite a one-to-one it was a group and I remember thinking I'm so ill-equipped to be doing this I'm not a good bible teacher and I I really was genuinely very scared of being having that responsibility um uh, yeah I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly gifted in teaching the bible but uh, I did it, and I remember being told, you've just got to pray before you do your, do your study and write your questions, just remember to pray. And I remember thinking sometimes, oh, I just felt so panicked. Oh, I haven't prayed. And God was always very faithful, and um, we always got through the studies. Um, so that was a good um, lesson to, to uh, sort of rely on God as we do things. Um, and then up here, I've sort of done a few different things. Um... Actually, down in London, I read the Bible with a Japanese lady who had no context of God at all. And we just, went, we just read through Mark's Gospel together. And it was the same as I did with my friend. We just opened up and just read a little bit over a coffee. Um, 
and then often with these um, one-to-ones, other questions come up, and we often go off on a tangent and talk about something, and we didn't stick to sort of regular passages or anything, but, but it was great, and she became a Christian, um, which was amazing, and I was so sad to see her going off to Japan, thinking, I don't know where she's going to end up or what she's going to do, and I slightly lost touch with her now, but she did send me a few cards after we'd moved up here saying that she'd found a church and she's going to, she's doing a Bible study and that was amazing. Um, and then moving up here, um, I did a few different things. So I did this one, I don't know if you've come across these, by Interactive Bible Studies, Matthias Media. That's how they pronounce it, Matthias Media. Anyway, they do loads and loads and loads of um, Bible studies that you can do with, that with individuals or you can do in small groups and they're all laid out in nice studies and they give you all the explanation of the passage and yeah it's really really easy to use anyone anyone could use these and they've been really um really good to do um i, I think sometimes it's you know to discuss issue it's sometimes quite helpful to ask the person what they might like to do um so that it's you know just saying we're going to do this and it's too intense for the person or too much for the person but to see what they think they're ready to study um and I think you already said this as well, something that I'm not very, or haven't been very good at doing. It's quite helpful to say, let's meet for four weeks or, and see how we get on, and then we'll talk again. Um, and these are actually often, in, this is in six weeks, I think. So they, they, these sometimes do the work for you. But I think sometimes I've just let things fizzle out without necessarily being clear on what to expect. And I think it's good when you're new to this kind of thing to, be, to know what to expect. Um... And then I read, this is the Mining the Bible um, material, which I really like because it goes into quite a bit of detail so that you feel confident in what the passage is actually saying. Um, and it, sometimes it's worked really well. And again, I've asked them what they want to do to both have the text and the person you're reading with will do the prep um, in the week before and then you go through the questions together. Um, and there was one student actually who then left to go to Edinburgh and um, she worked for Relay. Anyway, she, she, I met with her and she said, oh, it's, I've been doing this mind in the Bible with some of the students. <laughs> that was really encouraging as well, because sometimes I've read with people and it doesn't really come to much, or you wonder how, whether they've grown or whether it's kind of worked. Um, but you just have to, to do it and leave the, um, the effect of it, I suppose, to, to God working in their hearts. Um, I've done a few that haven't really gone that well, in, in that the student hasn't, um, wanted to carry on doing it, or um, life with a few months, life's changed and it's just got too busy and they haven't continued to be able to meet up. Um, there was one mum that I didn't know that well, and she she was sort of saying that she was a Christian but hadn't her church wasn't great. And anyway, I said to her, "Do you fancy reading the Bible together?" And she she didn't reply to my message, and I thought, oh, "I probably should have just done it in person." And then I saw her and I said, do you get my message? And uh, sheepishly said, what do you think? Um, and she said, well, I have been thinking about it and I think I might do. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we met in a coffee shop and it was, it was great for about three weeks. And um, she hadn't understood Grace. And so that was wonderful that she, you know, she, cri- she cried as soon as we kind of talked about it and what it actually meant. Um, and, then, and then she was asking some really, really big questions and I was trying to sort of answer them and and then, and then she just kind of went quiet. And it, it turned out that it was just all, she found it all too much to think about. Um, 
So sometimes you just got to go and keep communicating as you're studying and saying, How's it, how are you finding it? And is this what you want? And um, maybe we could do it once a month instead of every week. And um, just keep, yeah, keep communication. Um, so anyone else? Mm, no, I think those are the main things. But just try different things and sort of get a feel for what the person might like. And don't be scared. I often am. <laughs> but mm. you don't need to. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. No, I think that's so encouraging. And do come in and chat to either Emily or Elise, um, or I mean, like Erin and Catherine um, and me. Obviously, have, have done this, and lots of others actually. So I'm not going to carry on listing. I'm going to miss people out. It's going to embarrassing. But thank you so much for your honesty there. I think that's that's it, isn't it? We're trying to open up God's word with one another um, to see people grow, to see people. Um, grow in their love for the Lord Jesus and sometimes that will bear huge fruit in the here and now sometimes that will take a lifetime to see that fruit or sometimes people will not like what they see and that is because um, it is Jesus and, and not you um, but again we remember it's God's work and so it is a really exciting thing um, that God has said to us actually you can be part of this work with me you can scatter that seed while I make um, my word grow and I just find that a really really encouraging thing and so I think it'd be lovely for us to turn in all groups where we are and um, to pray for one another where you're at feel free to be as honest as you like about um, whether this is something you'd be interested in doing whether you think you would want to do that if there's a name or somewhere you think I would love to read the Bible with that person um, pray if you are reading the Bible with someone at the moment why don't you pray um, for yourself and for them and that and uh, why don't you thanks for the people who have been influential maybe in your life um, who have, well, maybe it was a mum or a dad who read the Bible with you. Um, that is a precious gift of the Lord Jesus. Um, so let's pray for one another um, as we close.